Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs 12 and 26, when you're there, we'll give you a second. When you're there, just say amen. Some of you are like, hey, I've got it. It's on the big screen. It simply says, the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. The way of the wicked seduceth them. Another way of putting this is the righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Let me just tell you, we can't afford to carelessly let just anybody into the persuasion of our lives. We've got to make sure that we're careful and we, we, we articulate clearly what a real godly relationship looks like and how that can help you and how the opposite can hurt you. Amen. I'm going to ask you to help me pray. We're going to just talk about having better relationships. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. done. I pray you'd help each and every one. I pray you'd help our minds, our hearts be focused on your word today. I pray you'd speak to a, a body of people that you are growing and you're helping and you're leading and guiding, Lord, only you truly know what's in store for us. But let us be well equipped and let us, I pray, Lord, be well prepared for everything you want to walk us into. And I pray it and believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Dale Carnegie's book, some of you probably have read it. I've read it and then always have it kind of close to pick up in moments where I'm maybe in between something I'm reading. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Sold over 15 million copies. It's a book that will challenge you to open your thinking and open open your mind on um, many different areas. But but in this book, we're, we're giving some most basic and effective advice for developing um these relationships, and more than that, meaningful relationships, strong relationships. He says this, and, and one of his main points, and the first we'll talk about briefly here is become genuinely interested in other people. And you've heard this phrase, maybe you didn't know where it came from, but this is what many times is used. People don't know, or sorry, people don't care how much you know until they what? Exactly, know how much you care. They don't really. Often, often we want to run and tell somebody, hey, here's what I know, here's what I know, with no care whatsoever for that situation. And many times your ears, the ears that you're trying to talk to are not open until they feel some sort of connection to your, uh, the care that you might have or the genuine uh, um, actions you might be giving. The other point he gives is smile. If you want to draw others to you, Light up your face with a smile. You ever walk through the mall and you see people that you know are God-loving people on Sunday, but they're people-hating people on Monday? (laughs) You've seen that before. It's like, hey, how are you doing? Sorry I offended you for 
asking that question. I mean, often we want to talk about what's contagious. My kids are home today, actually, because one of mine had the flu and the other two aren't doing, aren't doing real well, and we'd rather not pass that along to you. So, but we talk about what's contagious. Let me tell you this real fast. The most contagious thing in the world is a smile. That's the most contagious thing in the world. It is, it is so contagious that you, I, I've watched my father do this for years. He has an innate desire to make someone who's having a bad day either hate him when he walks out the door or say, he turned my life around. And I hate to say it, but I might have gotten that from him. My good friend Marcus Harris, um, he, he'll tell people all the time, he, he ain't going to walk out without getting a smile if he wants to smile. He'll tell people about me. He'll say that. We, we, we went in a restaurant one time, and, and we tried to help the server know that you don't want to sit almost boiling hot soup in front of a one, two, whatever year old baby. Our baby was sitting, or at the time it was Indy, was sitting in a high chair, and at the end of the table, they put down really, really hot soup in Indy's hand, of course. It was set it right in front of the baby, went right in that hot soup. He was screaming. And the guy was not being the kindest guy to us. He wasn't too sure about people coming in. When I, if, like I worked for tips one time when I was in Indianapolis, you would think that you get more tips if, if you have more people come in, come in to, to, to eat with you, right? And I also learned that if you're in a better mood, that actually helps you pay your bills. And so I just wanted to help the guy. And I, when, when my baby, when Indy put his hand in the soup and he burned his hand, I couldn't find the guy. The guy was hiding in the back. So I don't recommend this. I just walked in the back. I walked past the kitchen, waved to the guy cooking, found the guy that was hiding from me and had a very serious conversation with him. The conversation went something like this. You don't understand it right now, but if you'll stop and you'll listen to me, you're going to be better off for the rest of your life. And then when I walked away, he put his arm around me, and I put my arm around him, and he smiled because I was smiling, and then I gave him because I had to work through what I was thinking in my mind. I gave him a very healthy tip so he realized that maybe I should pay attention to whatever he's helping me understand. I'll never forget, though, Marcus was there, and he said, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Well, it worked out okay. It worked out all right. But, but smile. you got to learn to smile. We can't. We can't be people that, that say, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength, but we can't smile. In your relationships, in your, in your daily walk, and people you're trying to do life with, you ought to learn to smile. The third thing that he says is remember names. A person's name is the sweetest and most important sound to that person. Remember their name. Get a hold of someone's name. The other thing he says is be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. This is a struggle for many because we want to always say, well, I did this. And I get what you're saying, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I did this. And sometimes it's good just to sit back and let someone talk. Let someone tell about their good day. Let someone tell about it. Men, let me talk to you for a moment. I forget the numbers, but we have a, an allotment that is, an, uh, um, it may be like 1,200 words a day that we try to stay with. 
You don't know it, but you're built that way. You want to talk, and so you go to work, and you spend all this time talking about work. You go to work, and you spend all your time talking about this or that, and you go, and you have these conversations, and then you have this conversation, and then you, have the, you talk about football, or you talk about hunting, you talk about whatever, and then you come home, and guess what? Your wife's been at home. She's not been talking a lot because she's been taking care of things you've been needing, or she's been on the job, and she doesn't talk as much as you talk on the job. She actually does work while she's at her job, and so she, she's not been talking a lot. Well, you get home, and you sit down for dinner, or you sit down for a, you know, a, a, a quick snack, and she wants to talk, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to talk anymore, and this is, I'm preaching to me right now, and I feel conviction right now, by the way, but this, this is real. You, at this point, you've now used up all of your allotted words, and now the average female, I forget the exact number, but it's around like 7,400 words that they want to use throughout the day. It's a lot more than us. And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm talking about science, and we got to believe the science these days, right? <laughs> it's just the reality. And so you stop and you say, hang on, hang on, hang on. And they're saying, what? I just want to talk to you. And you're thinking, left. And they're thinking, but I've got all my words left. But here's the reality is sometimes in order for me to have good relationships, I've got to go out of my way and I've got to stop and I've got to shut everything off and I've got to listen. I've got to listen. The greatest thing you can do in any relationship is to listen in your home and your, with, your, with your family, with your spouse, with those in the church with others that you can, you can pick up on things at times if you just listen. And this, I'm going to get to more here in just a moment, but these are good principles from someone who has a strong base in the Word. The other, the other point is this, simply talk in terms of other, the other person's interests. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. Treat others the way they want to be treated. And so it's just me. Really what you find here is you've hi- you have a way that it kind of brings us to our main point. These, these principles help us in relationships. Why? Because they help us to say that I should prefer them over myself. And in a world that says I'm taking care of me, and I'm taking care of mine, this is the opposite of that. We've gone away from some of these principles, and now our, our, our economy um, um, of, as far as relationships and our, the, the mood of our world sometimes is not as well, not as good as it used to be because we have this, I'm taking care of me, and me, and, and that's all that matters. Nobody else matters. And I would say that there's something wrong when you are the only thing that matters to you in a given day. There's something powerful to the soul and to the spirit, whether you're a believer or not, whether you do things all right or not. But when you begin to say, I want to take a second and I prefer them, it might be cold, but that sweet lady that's loading the groceries into the back of her car, don't approach her too quick and don't act too aggressive. But if you can walk over to her and say, ma'am, I know you probably can do it, but if I can take a minute to help you out and place these things in the back of your car, and then I can take that car and put it back where all the carts are supposed to go, 
go anyways, by the way. If I can get them back to the carousel, then I can realize it took me 20 seconds longer, but I preferred somebody else. And I know we kind of talked about this morning, but there's something powerful about preferring somebody else, going out of your way, smiling through a bad day, listening when you don't want to talk and you don't want to listen, but you say, you know what? I find some truths in God's word that helps me to know that I ought to find and drive and be a part of good relationships. And the way that I do that is I prefer others. We teach it to our kids and we forget about it when we become adults. The truth is that you and I were created for relationships. We were designed to live our best lives when we do it in the context of community. The problem is, is we don't always choose the right people to surround ourselves with. We often, um, we, we often take in uh, 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 things that maybe they're easy relationships, the ones that are there that, it, that, that just kind of come with certain ways, and we're going to talk more about it, but the Bible gives us some practical wisdom for living in a healthy community with one another. Proverbs 12, 26, we read it, but let me read it again. The righteous should, always, or should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The people who live righteous lives are people who choose friends carefully. Only certain people get in. Only certain people will I spend my time with. This means that rather than leaving our closest relationships to chance, we make a concerted effort to surround ourselves with people who are carefully chosen. This truly does matter. If you just leave it to chance, then you'll go with the wind. You'll go with where they are. You'll fall into whatever they're falling into. You'll be whatever they are. You'll become what they are. You'll act and think like they are. But if you look and say, you know what? I appreciate the acquaintance, and that's what they are. They are an acquaintance. They are somebody I know, but not someone I'm doing life with. You've got to look around and say, what are my values? And do they share those values? Do they? Is this somebody that's going to help me become better? Because good relationships are not left to chance. The righteous know the kind of person they want to be, and they choose to surround themselves with people who help them achieve those goals. The righteous look for people who make them better versions of themselves. The righteous seek out people who love God with their whole hearts and live it out each day. Some people don't have our best interests in mind. Some people don't live based upon the desire to please God. Some people don't make us better. Rather, some make us bitter and drive us into a place where we're not as good. And let me just pause and say, I'm not saying don't have friends. I'm not saying um, uh, uh, get rid of people that maybe aren't perfect in your life. I'm talking about having relationships that are strong. And if they're influencing you down, then I would say you make an adjustment in that relationship. But if you are walking in a place together and you're working through life together and there's somebody who lifts you up and somebody who also drives you to a place where you say this is the word of God being shined out in my life, this is a good, healthy relationship, then I would say, then that is something that you should look at and say, this is good for me. Is that okay this morning? 
I know we're not talking about moving mountains. I know we're not talking about walking through the sea. I know we're not talking about speaking to the dead and raising them up. But what I want you to get is if you would change some relationships, you would be able to move mountains. If you change some relationships, you'd be able to part the seas in your life. But you've got to get some things there first in order to be better for the things of God in your life. Is that all right? My mom used to tell me, go clean your room. And I would say, well, I can't find anything. She would say, it's because you don't clean your room, but I want to be able to find stuff. Listen, this is the reality. You've got to have things in order in your life. If things are not in order, then you'll find chaos throughout your life. And so your priorities have got to be put in order. They've got to be there. You can't drive your car unless you start your car, but everything's in the car. There's things you've got to do in order first. You can't put it in drive unless you do what's first first. You've got to do the things you've got to do first and then you've got to look and say is this healthy is this relationship healthy are these jokes healthy is what they're saying to me healthy is this life that I'm surrounded by healthy if it's not healthy then guess what you're probably not going to be healthy but if I can get a hold of the proverb that says I should choose my friends carefully then I can know the wicked way that leads one astray is not something I'm going on. I'm not taking that path anymore. I'm getting away from that path and I'm making sure my relationships are good and healthy relationships. The difference between positive and negative relationships can be what you find maybe in, we used to walk through Crystal Bridges in Northwest Arkansas a lot. You'll see these exhibits that'll come in and others that are there all the time. And these are beautiful pieces of art. These are things that are, that are absolutely amazing. You can think about my brother's artwork if he had ever start doing it again, by the way. But that was just a small little thing that my family's been trying to get me to talk to him about. This is the best time. But if he'd ever start drawing or doing pastels again, you can see in my dad's office some beautiful pieces that are well-placed, that are thawed out. The shading's right. The proportion's right. The definition's right. All of it's beautiful. Now these days... People are taking, I saw something the other day. People were literally like painting their face and they were dragging their face across the, 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 the canvas and then they were taking their hands and they were like doing like weird bird signs and like flinging paint on. And all these people, uh, let me just call it what it is, all these people with masks on were going, oh. They were blown away at their artistry. Okay, I mean, okay, <laughs> that's gorgeous smearing of paint. You should see what my kids did when they were three. You guys would love it. <laughs> you guys would go crazy about those ones. The difference is, is I'm choosing wisely what's next. And I'm seeing something not only for what's here, but I've got a picture of what's going to become. And I know where this is going. And I know what this is going to be. And I know how this is all going to come together. But as I bring things together, what you see what I'm talking about right now? These are my relationships. These are my friendships. These are those that are there. I am going somewhere. I am going somewhere. I am going to get to a point and a place somewhere. Then I've got to bring in things that help that and that bring that into the total understanding of what it should be. It is important for you and I to know that it's, it's, we've got to be selective about these relationships. Throughout life, you'll have relationships for different reasons. 
Some will come and some will go. Some will fizzle, some will be there forever. The reality is, is those that, that fizzle oftentimes are there only because of common interest for a season. So you have seasonal friendships. You also have friendships that are there because of proximity. There's people that you, you, you talk to daily that you would call a friend, but it was because you were at a job they were at, you were at a school they were at, you were in a class they were in. But as time changes and as things begin to grow and, and as you move into a new place of life, those things fizzle. Why? Because the proximity is not there. It's not as easy of a relationship. It's not something that places uh, um, the, the daily uh, um, connection there. But there's relationships that will come that, that will oftentimes be born out of more, that it will become more and these are relationships oftentimes that you say that I need this relationship I have to have this to be better I want to be a part of this relationship when we look at the life of Jesus we see the way to develop better relationships is very very intentional Jesus certainly spent time uh, um, um, and and they were not uh, I'm sorry he spent time with the crowd he spent time with the crowd of people often that were there in the present right in front of him. There were people that would touch him. There were people that would grab hold of him. But we will know that this crowd was not what he spent most of his time with. He would spend time there, but that wasn't the intentional time that was always there. So we find that, that, we, that he had a focus instead. The focus that he had was on a group of 12. 12 disciples that he knew that I've got this time to pour all I can into and to make sure that everything that I can get into them is there and then I can help them grow. And not just that, he goes even farther. There was not just the 12, but inside of that 12, there were three that were even closer. This is called the inner circle. And if you have 40 people on your inner circle, then you have no one on your inner circle. If there's not three people in your life that you can tell anything to, and they will listen, and they'll listen intently, and they'll help you out, they'll pick you up, then you're missing the model of Jesus Christ and relationships. The reality is, when Jesus was 33, he had 12 friends and 12 friends only, and he had three really close friends. And as you grow, you're going to find much the same, that you're going to have about a dozen good friends, and you're going to have three best friends in your life that you can tell anything, anything thing to and even some of those 12 are going to mess up they're going to deny you they're going to walk away they're going to make mistakes but they're going to get a lot of what you are in them Jesus teaches us that not everybody's my friend not everyone who sends a friend request is my friend not everyone who sends a friend request request should be someone who speaks into my life nor should I follow anybody who sends those requests but I've got to make sure that my relationships Line up with the goodness in the word of God. And I cannot afford to be careless about these relationships. Amen. Amen. Who clapped just now? Go ahead and go ahead and lead it all off, Darius. Thanks for being here today. I appreciate you. I thank you for that. Jesus didn't, didn't really leave him the chance, nor should you. So we've got to make sure we look for godly attributes. The only way we can afford, avoid relationships by chance is to develop friendships by choice. If you never fill out the card when you're invited to the wedding of chicken or fish or steak, then guess what? You're going to get whatever they assign you. 
Well, I'm allergic to fish. Well, you didn't send your card in. You're going to have a breakout here in a little bit, so just enjoy your meal. <laughs> Hope you brought your EpiPen. <laughs> That's the reality. If you don't choose it, then you just get what you get. If you don't, if you don't make a decisive decision, then it's just going to be what it is. And so I've got to make sure that I pick these, these relationships and I work on this. And the way that we do this is by looking for characteristics in others that look like Jesus and encourage us toward him. The Apostle Paul writes about this in his letter to the early church in Corinth. The reason Paul puts this into the letter is because the struggle to surround ourselves with the right people is not new to us. It's not brand new to this generation and this church. It has been going on for a long time. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What is it we're talking about? We're talking about love. If you have any of those things or any relationship you have, thinks evil, tears people down, pulls out and plucks things about people away, speaks ill about people, is always in, um, um, impatient and trying to say, well, I want it my way and I need it my way, then let me tell you right now, what you're seeing is an action and his attributes that are not those that are kin to love. They are not related to love. There's no love in evil. There's no love in speaking ill about somebody. There's no love in tearing people down. There's no love in seeking your own desires and being provoked and thinking all these things. There's no love. So I've got to be careful to make sure in anything I do, whether it be in of lifting somebody up or coming with criticism, you can speak in criticism with also while having love and tell them you know what it's okay but I I this is what I feel or this is what maybe we should understand or this is what we should do you can do that but in love the reality is there's not a better relationship than you'll find than somebody who can stay, uh, speak a straight direct word that you feel is critical but they say it in love and they listen when you speak back. That's a healthy friend, and you ought to keep that close. That's a solid relationship. You ought to listen to that voice. There's something there when someone can speak a word and you, you hold true. Paul is outlining what true relationships, being on the love of God, look like in our lives. And as you look at these, these, these simple yet profound characteristics, we, we, we maybe can reflect and we can look and say, this is the kind of relationship I want. I want one that can, a relationship that can protect one another, that can, that can, that can lift me up when I'm down, that can, that can bring me to a place where I know that God's word is still alive in my life, even when it feels as if a storm is approaching our sphere of influence. We've got to be aware of who's there and who's around. We've got to notice when someone de demonstrates the wrong attributes, but we've also got to take uh, notice when someone demonstrates the right attributes so we can make sure we understand who these people are. Paul speaks of this and he tells them that you have to identify these things in order to have better relationships. I've got to do it. 
and a good friend with these characteristics will make us feel safe and make us feel loved, will give us a surrounding and a support that will only, only help us to grow in God and not grow in self. But the reality is that many of these attributes that we just read and talked about, as we begin to look for these relationships and find these, oftentimes you'll find that these things many times are born out of struggle. They're born out of a hardship. They're born out of going through a, a season of life that wasn't easy, that wasn't something I could look back on. And I'll say, I'll say this to you. For everything that I faced that I thought I couldn't make it through, and I've made it through it, I'm a better person because of it. I'm better because of it. I'm stronger because of it. I've got a better sense of understanding because of it. I feel like I've got more patience because every time that I've needed patience, I had to learn the hard way that I could be a little more patient. I'm just saying, what, what, what good is trust if you never have to trust? And what good is faith if you've never got to take a step that you can't see where it where it's going to land. And so these relationships are oftentimes born out of struggle. You find people that have gone through some things. You find people that can carry you through some things. You can find relationships that can build you up because they also have been at times felt as if they were torn down. Jackie Robinson was the first black athlete to play Major League Baseball Broke the, broke the barrier, the color barrier. He faced jeering crowds in every stadium that he competed in. Can't even imagine truly what he faced. It's mind-boggling to think about. But while playing one day in his home stadium in Brooklyn, New York, he committed an error. For those that don't know that, it's a play that he should have made, but he didn't make. It happens all the time in baseball. The fans began to ridicule him from the stands. He stood at second base, humiliated, while the fans heckled him. It was at the height of the tension when he felt most alone. He was tired. He was weary. Truthfully, he needed a friend. While all that was happening, suddenly, well-known Caucasian shortstop Pee Wee Reese came over and Stood next to him. He was a fan favorite. He stood next to him and he put his arm around Jackie Robinson and faced the crowd and stood there. Just waited. The game didn't go on. He stood there with his face intent, intently on the crowd, while also with his arm around Jackie Robinson. Quickly after that, the fans grew silent. When interviewed later on, Robinson said that the arm around my shoulder saved my career. Some of us this morning need to have a Pee Wee Reese in our life. You need to have somebody step up. You need to have somebody walk up in a moment where you don't know where it's going to come from and how it's going to happen. But you need to feel the arm of we're going to make it. It's going to happen. You reflect back on last year and you say, I just need 
better relationships, here's what I'm telling you right now. If you work on your relationships, you'll have better relationships. If you choose that inner circle better, you will have a better outlook on life. If you choose those who you talk to on a daily basis to be healthier conversations and healthier relationships, you will see things a different way. Your perspective, when you look, will change. When you think, things will change. When you act, things will be different. It's just the way it works. It's the way it works. So quickly here, I'm coming to a close, but the question I would have that you all need to answer and I didn't answer is what kind of friend, friend am I? The truth is that in order for us to have better relationships, we cannot be a one-way street. We must be somebody that helps others to develop as well. We must live a sober self-assessment, uh, uh, have a sober self-assessment and as we look at ourselves, be able to answer honestly if we are the kind of people that God wants to, us to be. God desires for us to be. If I were to be honest, what kind of friend are you? Are you trustworthy? Are you kind? Are you forgiving? Do you have others' interests in mind? Do you, do you, do you prefer others? Paul writes about this need for others' focus in the life, uh, others', others lives being a focus at times in our hearts and our minds. Romans 12, 10 and 13, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to, to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the the saints given to hospitality what this simply means is this love, the the kindness and patience and love, we can put it down to one word this is the circulatory system of the body of Christ this is what allows everything to flow for everyone to be healthy and all it takes one time is for someone to say I'm not going to operate in love and guess what now you can't have everything flow as it needs to flow, it does doesn't operate the way it needs to operate, but the body, the body, now I'm talking about the church, as we move forward in relationships, we do not have the choice to bow out. We can't say I'm following him and not loving. No, we have one choice and one choice only. This is not an A or B question. This is not an options thing. This is not I'll take the ladder or I'll take the test later or I'll pass. This is one, one way only. You either love or you're not of him. You either love or you don't let it happen. You either love, you can't have kindness and not have love. You've got to have great in love. I love him. I love them. I love this one. I love that one. I love the rich. I love the poor. I love the white, the black. Okay, I love it all. I love his friend. I love people. Why? Because he first. He first loved. The reason maybe you're, you're, you're suffering in relationships is because you've not learned to love again. After whatever it was that made you hurt, whatever it was that happened in your life, whatever it was that you carried out of a trial, instead of it becoming something that made you better, you found yourself bitter. Let me tell you the antidote to bitterness is is, is simply this. It's love. It's love. It's love. Paul is giving instruction for individuals to live in meaningful relationships with one another rather than just expect that everyone else would cater to my needs and my desires and what I have and what I want rather than think that every dessert Sister Sheila ever makes is going to be without nuts I don't, you know, I I grew up that way and now all of a sudden I realize they're good so all those desserts you made, that you took them out for me, I want you to go back and put them back in because I made a mistake for all those years but I I want it my way my kids want their, their food, 
my, my youngest anyways, without vegetables. Well, guess what? The rest of the family likes good vegetables. And so you can either get a separate plate or you cannot eat. Or we can just make it. Everybody gets to eat. And here's what I'll tell you. Is we cannot customize everything to everybody. But instead, if you'll walk in with love, then you'll say, you know what? I'm just going to love God. I'm just going to serve God. I'm just going to do what I can wherever I can. And I'm going to give the best I can. I've got to make sure I give myself fully fully to the things of God I'll end on this story and I promise you I'm done there was a bit of practical wisdom offered in an article from Daily Walk in 1993 I was able to find this and it spoke to me in this lesson through the writing of this uh, although the writing is a little dated it says think about yourself And no, I'm sorry, let me go back. It says this. How to be miserable is the the title of the article. How to be miserable. It says this. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I often, as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forget a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if if people are not grateful to you for favors shown to them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for others. I just killed the room just now with this. That wasn't my intention. Now, everything I just said, if you want to find yourself not miserable but, but fulfilled, take everything I just said and let's play the opposite game. Even Christ had to humble himself and, and become of no, no report. He had, to, he had to bring himself to a lowly place. He said, don't tell them what you saw here. Why? Because I've got work yet to be done. He had to tell them, don't go tell about what just took place in your life. Why? Why would he not say that? Because he had to fly under the radar just a little bit. He had to make sure that people people were receiving what the teaching he had. He had to make sure that things were taking place. He had to make sure I can take the opposite route and be a person focused on others more than myself. And I want to be that kind of friend. I want to have that kind of relationships. I want to set the tone of my relationships that I'm going to love and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to listen and I'm going to look you in the eye and have a conversation with you. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. Now I'm going to tell one last story. I was in North, uh, North Missouri. I was preaching a revival. I preached six times in seven days. And to be honest with you, I was young. I was broke and I was trying to make it all work. I didn't realize when they called me to be a part of the bot uh, because of the Times PK staff, I didn't know anything about that. They said, we want you to come sit on this committee, committee and help us with the PKs that are coming to bot because of the times. I was up in northern northern Missouri and I did not have much to my name and I had to get a hotel room I thought and I had to pay my gas and my food because of the times. And so I left on Sunday night and I had to be in, in, in Alexandria on Monday morning. I had to be there on Monday morning to get ready and set up. It's my first time going. I, again, no idea. I get there and I'm tired. I'm broke. I preached that all that time and to be honest with you, I 
paid more for the trip than I got paid. My gas bill was more expensive than what I was given to preach that week. But we had good revival and the Lord knew and he made it up later. But at the time, that was life. I was dealing with it and I had no way to figure it out. So I walk in on the first night. You go to, you go to a, a, one of the houses there and we have a time together because of the times and communion. And, and, and the message that's going to be preached on Monday night is preached to us. And I'm sitting there. And to be honest with you, I'm a little, little person in a room full of big, big, big people. And I'm sitting there and I'm quiet and I didn't know everybody. I knew a few people, but I'm sitting there and I lean over to one man and I was just feeling broken. I needed encouragement. I was scared. I didn't know how I was going to make this all work. And, and I look over at a man and I, I said something about somebody I knew that he knew. And, he, and I, I'm sure he didn't mean it, but he just kind of turned his back and focused the other way. He didn't want to talk to me. I know that you never think that. I'm not tearing down. He just probably had a, a bad moment, to be honest with you. I sat there and I was thinking, as soon as this is over, I'm getting out and going to my car and I'm going to my room. I feel like I'm in the wrong place. I'll never forget, though, getting up that night. I'm walking out and I heard someone say, Paul, there's a familiar voice. Somebody who goes way, way back with my father, become a personal friend of mine. He's a great and mighty man. I look back and Stan Gleason, one of our great general superintendents of the, of the organization we're part of. I look at him and he said, hey, come here for a minute, man. And I, Brother Gleason, hey, good, how, are, how are you? He said, I'm good. And, and we talked for a minute and I, I'll never forget all these people that wanted him to come preach from, all these people who wanted to hear what he had to say, he never locked, he never took his eyes off me. He was talking to me. And he's listening. When I'd stop, he'd ask a question to pull more out of me. When I'd stop, he'd ask something else, pull more out of me. And, he'd, and I, I found myself talking about what was going on. I found myself, that here's someone that listens. And I said, Brother Gleason here, you have a thousand people in this room. I mean, there's only about 40, but anyways, there's probably still a thousand people that want to talk to you right now. And he said to me, listen, none of those people matter. I'm talking to you right now. Tell me more about what you've been doing. I'll never forget walking out of there. It changed my life that night. It changed my life. It gave me, it, I felt value when the opposite was what I was thinking, was what I was dealing with. Was, I was devalued. I was scared. I was lonely. I was unsure. But when he looked at me and he said, no, listen to me. Those people don't matter. I'm talking to you. I'm where I want to be right now. I spent a few more minutes and I made my way out to that car and I sat in that car and I drove back to my room and when I went to bed that night I felt, I felt as if the Lord had given somebody a word but the reality was the Lord had not given him a word. The Lord had given him a good radar for good relationships and he understood what it was to find value in people and if you want to hear a strong word of God Again, I know this isn't faith building. I know this isn't we're going to over, overcome the world. No, this is biblical principles for you and your home to know right now that you ought to push some things away. You ought to look people back in the eye. And I'm not talking about this. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great. No, I'm talking about t toss that thing aside. I'm talking about pushing this away. I'm talking about shutting that off and getting a conversation, having a meaningful conversation with somebody that brings you and them closer to God. Why? Because if you have good relationships that are centered on Him, then as you grow together, you're going to center yourself up on the things of God and it will be healthier in your life. If you agree with me right now, just say amen. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet right now? In Jesus' name, God, I pray you'd help us.
God, I pray you'd move on every heart. I pray you'd move on every life. God, I'm asking you to help us to grow in you as we grow together, Lord. Help us to have intention and have a desire to see the things of you in our hearts, in our daily walk, in our lives. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, let those that need to reassess some things, let us do it. Let us that need to know there's more love that we can give, let us experience the, the, the action of giving love where maybe we were given judgment. The action of giving love where maybe we weren't patient. I pray, Lord, let us heed to the words of Paul and know, God, that you've given us a framework to love beyond, to grow in love. And I pray as a body together, together, Lord, we can have better relationships, God. I pray, help this church, help this body, help our community. Let it start today, God. Let it begin, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing together. You can stay where you are or you can step out. We're not going to take too long. But I'm asking right now if you'll just let the Lord begin to do a work in your heart. Come on, sing this song right now. This is exactly right. Jesus at the center of it all. Some are coming. I don't want to discourage you from coming today. If you want to respond to the word of the Lord, I'd be encouraging you to come right now. It will always be. It's always been.